What's up, everybody? This is Jason V. Welcome to another episode of the Local Color Podcast. I'm here with my guest. I would introduce him, but I think he's better at doing that himself. So what's your name, sir? Peace, everybody. This is uh, the one and only Mad Mastermind, Josh Stokes. How you guys doing? I'm doing well, man. How you doing? I'm awesome, man. Thanks so much for having me. I appreciate you calling me to be here. It means a lot. Absolutely. Thank you for coming on the show. And we definitely want to give a big extra special shout out to the man running the board right now. No doubt. Uh, the one and only Mateo. We're actually recording this live at Produced the Moose by. House. Produced by, yeah, <laughs> uh, Moose House Records. So let's get started here, man. Uh, where are you from? I'm from here, born and raised Baltimore, Maryland, all my life. Did you live in the city or the county? Uh, I lived in the city. I was on the east side, stayed over there until about 13, and then from 13 I moved over to the west side, and I stayed over there until about like my mid-20s. What was the biggest change moving from east to west was, like, did your family just need a change of scenery or what? Um, my father just got a bigger house. <laughs> he said we moving up hell yeah so like we, we got a bigger house and it was just like oh okay cool i honestly didn't even pay sides any mind i guess like i just never really cared it was just like oh, okay because you know like a lot of people that are really in that will be like yo east coast dudes do this west side dudes do this and it's like for real i never even noticed hey, i was gonna ask that next is what was the biggest change culturally when you were um, going from east to west, did you even notice that? I really didn't. I honestly didn't. The city just seemed like the city. It know? was just one big. Yeah. Yeah. It was just. It was just Baltimore. Exactly. Was no real difference. Yeah, and, and like the and people really can break it down, like regionally, like from the east to the west. And I, I don't know. I never even took the time to like really think that hard on it. Cause to me, it was just like everybody was the same. And what was growing up for you like? What did your parents do? Well. My father is a pastor, so that's what he did ever since I was about nine years old. Um, and that was about it. My father was a pastor, my mother was a singer, and she directed the choir, and she did that stuff. And I went to school because I had to, but <laughs> <laughs> like if I could have just played music all day, I would have done that like a motherfucker just because like that's all I ever wanted to do anyway. I hated school. Really? And yeah. that, that was going to be my next question. So. Even though you hated school, were you in school at a time that they still had a music curriculum, or was that already yes, over and done with? they did. I was going to music class. I was going to music class up until about, I want to say the 10th grade. Yeah, they had actual classes where they had the instruments. They had um, uh, uh, movies and things they would show you. They even had a period <coughs> where um, they would let you bring in your own music. Uh, you could play your own music in school and stuff like that. So yeah, I definitely remember that. That was what'd you bring in? <laughs> I brought in uh, chicken grease 
by D'Angelo. And everybody was just like, what the fuck is this? And this was in 10th grade? Yeah, so this had to be about 2005, maybe. Yeah, so I bumped. <laughs> I was playing that, and everybody was like, oh, okay. Kind of like, you know, we, we would expect this from, from him. Oh, okay. So I was like, and what, like your music teacher was just like, uh, he was like, that was nice, cause he was like an actual musician. So he used to like, he was he was one of those like white dudes that wanted to be black in the seventies. If oh, you can remember okay. one of these guys, but he's like forty now and he's got the gray hair, <laughs> but he still got that like black way. Like yeah. he's singing and playing a keyboard and shit. Like he was that guy. Okay. So he dug what I brought. He was like, that's nice, man. Did so you I remember that? Were you able to? Forge a connection with that music teacher. What was it, what was the teacher's name? Man, I forgot. No, I didn't. I just remember that one day. I oh, also remember a- another day where I was like kicking his door, like boom, 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 and like because he wouldn't let me in. So like we went outside and like had a talk, and then we actually like we kind of um. He was like, "Don't kick my door again." Please. Yeah, he was like, "Man, if I told your dad this, you wouldn't like." I was like, "Yeah, you're right." <laughs> so, <laughs> so we had like a conversation, and I was like, "All right, cool, I chill." Like I don't know why I was mad that day anyway. But, you know, I just did that. But we came to that uh, agreement. But no teacher really stuck in my head because no teacher really impacted me. I didn't really like school. Um, so I wasn't really interested in what came with it. Um, you know, teachers were cool for the time being because I had to be there, but I didn't want to know them. I remember there was a guy that um, found out I played the drums and he was trying to get me to join the school band, and I was just, like, curving the shit out of this dude. Like, yeah, 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 I'm coming, coming. And I would just, like, never show up. <laughs> so I think he just, like, finally got the point, like, okay, yo, I get it. Like, just, just tell me you're not going to come. But it didn't have anything to do with the choir. I just didn't like doing stuff concerning school. A lot of artists and rappers and stuff, they, they first discover their love of music uh, with the church choir uh, or extracurricular activities, right. you know, uh, like George Duke world famous musician may he rest in peace Peace, peace, Uh, peace. uh, the story goes that his mother took him to a duke ellington concert and when he saw duke ellington playing piano he just like lost his mind and was like get me a piano like that's what i want to do and you talked about it with your mother directing the church choir and being a singer is that where you caught the music bug was it family or did you just come about it differently that shit was like some x-men superhuman just like in the bloodstream type shit because I just when I was born it was just like I had no other choice but to do this like ever since I can remember it was just like me hearing music me uh just familiar with music me um just really enjoying music and me trying to play music and trying to figure out music and just constantly growing in music to like me you know having pencils as drumsticks to pins and just continuing to just uh, elevate to the next level. Like, it's always been that. And then my mother's side of the family is singers and musicians. My father's side of the family are singers and musicians, but just very musically inclined. So, you know, you bring those two things together, and it was just like that on steroids, and they just had me, and it just turned into this thing where it was just like music. And that was just it. And for some kind of reason, I just became known for that. Like, Josh is going to play music. You can just tell, like, he's always walking around with sticks. Like, and for me, it was just like, I didn't know any other way. Like, to this day, like, I still don't. That's just what I was literally born to do. I can't even explain it. Like, my parents love music. 
But it wasn't to the point that they were willing to die for it or, like, not be able to pay rent for it. You know what I mean? Like, I'm really to the point where it's like, yo, if I don't have no money, I don't give a fuck if I can go and play a show tomorrow because I just like playing music. If, if, if you can get me an airplane ticket to go to California and it's going to be a show there or even if I got to get it myself, I'm going to do it because I really want to do it. For me, it's not necessarily about, hey, Dad, guess what? Because that's not it for me. Like, I just like doing it. I got a show tomorrow, a session the next day, another show after that. That's it for me. So looking back, you talked about not really liking school. Do you feel like you missed an opportunity to join the band? Do you feel like it would have somehow enhanced your skill if you would have just joined the band? Or are you just like, ah. Absolutely not. Um, and the reason I say that is because, yo, all of my real learning experience came from the streets, not the physical streets, but me being out in the field, uh, working with other professional musicians, working with other writers, working with other producers. And even if it wasn't an official thing where it was like, yo, I'm sitting in the studio with them. It was like, yo, I'm riding to D.C. with them to a show. And the whole time I'm riding, they're showing me music. They're spitting game to me, telling me how it goes. You know what I mean? Not just the, yo, this is tight, this is dope. But it's like, get ready for this. Just absorbing all that exactly. knowledge. And, and, and them allowing me to be around other guys that are doing it. You know what I mean? That school band wasn't going to do that for me. You know, this is a bunch of, you know, no diss, but who knows what they're doing. But nine times out of ten, they're not doing what I'm trying to do. Right. You know what I mean? So I feel like me being in the field... I wish I would have met somebody like Blackstar earlier. DJ Blackstar? Yeah. Okay. I wish I would have met him when I was in high school. I wish I would have met or been, been able to hook up with Easy when I was in high school. Just because they really had the, the tap into the well of what was about to happen. You know what I mean? If there's anything I wish I could change, I wish it would be that. But I think everything went the way it was supposed to go. You know, it's, I still wound up there. Okay, and what school did you go to? When I first started high school, it was a little broken off part of Northern after they had broken it down into all the schools because it had gotten so bad. It was like a little trailer near uh, Robert Poole Middle School that I went to, and then uh, I got transferred to Forest Park High School. And, that's and I where went you, there. You finished up school there? Well, if you want to say that, I didn't graduate high school. I stopped going in the 11th grade. Oh, really? Yep. So that was just a year after showing the music class Chicken Grease. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> okay, what did you, how did your parents feel about that? Um, they didn't dig it too much. Socially, you're supposed to do these things. So, like, if you don't do it, you're looked at as, like, oh, what's wrong with him? And then what's wrong with them? Because he's your son, you know what I mean? So then it becomes a, a reflection like, oh, shit, so what are they going to say about us because he's not graduating from high school? When it was like, fuck those people. Unfortunately, we don't know or don't really have the opportunities to do what it is we really want to do in our lives. So when you meet a person that does, it's almost like, what's wrong with you? And it's like, damn, for real? Okay. But yeah. I was willing to take that, even at 17. If you want to call me dumb for dropping out of high school, yo, the minute I dropped out of high school, like the minute, as I look back at it, it's so amazing because this type of stuff always happens. The minute I dropped out of high school, I was getting phone calls to like write for other artists and start to play for artists and travel with artists. The minute, yo, the minute. 
So, and that's something that happens where it's like, you can't really ignore that sign. Right. Exactly. So it was just like, do you know who I am? No, but I don't need you to. But I know like for the last 15 years, I've been constantly working on my craft, sharpening my tools with amazing, talented people that are very particular. So they're going to tell you what they like and what they don't like, and they're going to be very forward about it, which is good because it helps build that character so that when you get to that level that you want to be at, you're used to it. You know what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. And there comes a certain point where creatively you can't let criticism, constructive or otherwise, deter you or stop you. And frankly, sometimes the criticism that you get, it's like, this ain't this isn't something that I really want to admit about myself, but now that somebody else is telling me I need to come to terms and realize like maybe I need to switch something up or maybe I'm not as good at, 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 at as good as I thought I was at this particular aspect, right. but I'm a lot stronger at something else. So I just gotta do something to uh to round myself out, you know what I mean? Exactly. And uh I tried to go and like get my GED and stuff, but I just could not keep focus in those classes. You just more about the music. Yeah, I just couldn't. <laughs> like, and I would try, but I was like, man, what the fuck am I doing here? Like, everything just sounded so confusing to me. Like, man, I got to get out of here. It just wasn't for me. Everybody has their own path they're supposed to take. Do you still keep in contact with your parents? Um, well, my mother died in 2006, um, so that's been a minute. Um, I feel like I still keep in contact with her in, like, other ways, though just because I feel like she still uh, is around and, and knows what I'm doing and knows, like, the intent in which I'm doing it. Um, I feel, I mean, I talk to my dad a lot. We keep in contact. Um, I go over there and chill with him and check up on him a lot. Do you have any siblings? I have a sister. I have a younger sister. Her name is Bobby Rush. She's also a really dope artist. She's a singer and a, a, a painter. She does little uh, writings and excerpts. She has her own <laughs> website and everything. So, yeah, I have a sister, and I have two older brothers as well. So let's talk about the beginning of your music career, when you first started writing, all that kind of stuff. I take it that was, what, in high school that you really started taking it seriously, or was it like once you dropped out? Uh, honestly, I started writing around, like, 11 or 12. But not seriously, though, but, you know, you just start... Um, I would say for real, though, it was definitely around like 13 or 14. I started writing poetry a lot, and then I just realized like, whoa, I can write songs and stuff too. <laughs> so um, I, I started this little group. It was like a gospel group that I had my sister singing. Like my sister was like the fucking guinea pig, yo, and I always tell this story. Any idea I had where there was a girl singing or there was a girl ad lib, I'd be like, Ariel, come here. <laughs> and she would come down and just like, I need you to say this. So I started this group where it was like, okay, I know I don't want to sing, but I have these song ideas. I need somebody to sing these ideas. Ariel, come here. <laughs> so I would just get her to like sing all the songs that I wrote. And I would just like, you know, come up with these beats. My, my dad, you know, I said he had a church. So he had this keyboard, this professional keyboard called the Triton Pro. Like, Pharrell made the grinding beat on it. Like, Scott Storch would use it. Timberland, like, it's like a professional board. Mm -hmm. And you were able to make beats on it. So I would make beats. And from these beats, I would just write songs. And I had a lot of musician homies. So they joined the band with me. And uh, 
We went to the studio, started recording songs. So to me, at 15, 14, it was like, holy shit. Like, we're doing it. You know what I mean? But it was always still like that independent spirit because we were still paying, well, I was still paying for the studio time for myself. Uh, I knew guys that would, like, do photo shoots for us. You know, like, I was paying dudes to print out the, the CDs and the sleeves and stuff. So it was always that spirit of, like, yo, if nobody else believes it, we believe it and we can make it happen. And it really did start to impact, like, seriously, in a, in a, in a low-key kind of major way. Like, it was dope. In that time when you were making that music and feeling that energy when you were 14, 15, 16, 17, 18, you felt like it was something groundbreaking and something like the magnitude of it was just so awesome and so great. Looking back, if you even have any of your earliest music, how does it make you feel? Do you, do you cringe when you're just like, oh, <laughs> this is just so like un, untrained, un, uh, unfocused? Or do you hear it and you're just like, you know what, like, I, I was trying to get here, but I was right here. But I, I can I so I see the gap that I need to fill. Um, for me, it was it was cringy, like ill. That sounds <laughs> horrible. And then it was like, yo, I've really been doing this for a long time. Like this is amazing. So it was like those two things where like I heard my voice and my voice sound mad ugly, like because I wasn't used to like recording in the studio. You would just be used to singing live, so it would sound different. You What's the really? difference between singing live and in the studio? So when I'm singing live, I can almost do anything. And because it's in the moment, it could just go over like, oh, oh, oh. But if I'm in the studio, it has to be like, oh, oh, oh. It really has to be like direct and intended on what you're doing. Like it has to be there. So like you can't really just fake it in the studio because everybody will hear it and everybody will point it out and be like, yeah, we need to do that again. <laughs> so you just like keep hitting it, hitting it, hitting it until it's like directly how you want it to be. That's why a lot of people don't like being in the studio mm. because it takes time because you can't just go in there and just sing it and it's going to be over with real quick. Like, no, you got to be like that first line. We got to make sure that line is right because a lot of people don't realize it's not just notes. It's the intent. It's the characters, the way it sounds, the delivery. Some stuff can sound sad. Some stuff can sound sexy. Some stuff's got to sound hard and it's all in the way you deliver it. So some things like auto tune and things can't bring you as a human have to bring. That's where it can get very meticulous in the studio because people, a lot of people don't have the patience for it. It's either that or you think the studio is a place where it's like, yo, we going to bring girls, yo, we going to smoke all the weed up, but like never do any songs. So it's like people either look at the studio as that or that, but the real people that love being in the studio, yo, it's like home. Like I could be in this motherfucker all day. You could hook up a keyboard and some speakers and we could like jam all night long. So let's talk about the the Baltimore music scene as you're growing up musically and in in the flesh. When did you start making contact with other people in the Baltimore music scene? And when did you find people that had that honest to God talent that were living in the same area as you? Yo, to be honest, the most honest to God, amazing, blow your mind talent that I saw I saw as a kid growing up doing like all the gospel music shit, like where you came across like some of the best singers, you know, some of the best singers that eventually went on to 
probably really only do background work, but it was dope shit. Like you would you would look around and like somebody was singing for like Vivian Green or somebody was singing for like Tone A or like my sister Bobby Rush. She was singing for like BB Wine and Charlie Wilson, like all these amazing people like doing David Letterman and Ellen and things like this that you would never know of because they're the people in the back that the lights not really on, but they're the people that are really helping these people. So back in that time, there were people that were dope that were just starting that are now like doing amazing things because they put in that work. I really saw a lot of mind-blowing talent there. Around this circuit here, what you realize is the hard work that you have to put in and the work ethic, should I say. A lot of talented people, unfortunately, are very lazy because they're dope as fuck. They feel like people are supposed to come in and be like, yo, oh my God, I worship you, you know, nut goblin and all this stuff. I need you to do this for me. I need you to do this for me. And it doesn't work that way. You know, you have to be out there. You have to, you know, show your face. You have to let people know that you're available. Um, <clears throat> and a lot of super duper talented people, for some reason, don't do that. It's because they're super dope. You know, in all their lives, they've been told, yo, you are super dope. So they don't have to try hard. Exactly. It's a lot of super dope people biased, too, when it comes to, like, <clears throat> anything. Even in podcasting, it's a lot of super dope podcasters that, like, excuses will be made for them, things will be given to them because they're so dope. You know what I mean? So it's like you notice that, and they can start to have this entitlement. So it makes them not want to work as hard. But the people that don't get told they're super dope all the time have to work hard and, and, and realize that it's a grind and realize that it's hard work and, and it's constant hard work that you have to put in. In the Baltimore music scene, what do you think is missing? Because I, I, every once in a while I'll ask somebody this on my podcast. <clears throat> it, it, does Baltimore, is its biggest crime just being between Philly and D.C.? Or is there something deeper beneath the surface that you know, we have to examine ourselves to, to help ba put, put Baltimore on the map? I always say that, like, Baltimore is probably, like, a cursed place just because it's some of the most talented people here, but, like, the opportunity never seems to present itself. And now we're starting to see a change because of, you know, all the things that are happening now climate-wise. So we're, we're, we're starting to get that light. But I mean beforehand, the 20, 30 years beforehand where there were still dope people here, where there were still amazing producers and musicians here that were not getting that look at all. Or it could be that thing, you know, it's always a story that's told, you know, it was this dope group back in the 70s and 80s that just fucked it up for everybody and now they don't <laughs> want to fuck with balls. It's like, that doesn't sound right. Yeah. There are drug addicts everywhere. They're inconsistent people everywhere they're liars everywhere so why like just here is that being you know so looked down upon i don't know i i hope i seek to find out though because they're gonna know about me ultimately us either way because we're all coming and we're all reflecting one another and we're all working hard and at the end of the day you can't help but not hear it because it's too much happening here it's a lot of shit happening here right now. Like even earlier when we were talking about like JPEG and Butch Dawson and all this great shit that's happening. It's happening for all of us. Definitely. It's really happening for all of us. It's just about how you choose to appreciate it and what you choose to do with it. Like these people take opportunities and they make it what it is. 
You know, nothing is handed to anybody. Nothing is easy. We're all out here putting in work and trying to be the best that we can be. But when we have these opportunities, we have to make them as best as we can. Yeah, absolutely. And touching on what you said a few seconds ago, I definitely felt some type of way when I was at Afropunk seeing JPEG Mafia, and I was just like, damn, this nigga like, is repping Baltimore to the fullest. Like, it's, that's just fantastic. Absolutely. Who are some of the black artists in Baltimore that you're really digging right now and that you're really uh, enjoying their work? Man, <clears throat> excuse me. I'm digging everybody, man. Like, I like to dabble in a little of uh, everything that I can put my, my hand on. Um, right now, I'm really digging um, Bobby Rush, Black Star, Easy Jackson, Mr. Fourteenth. Man, there's so many people. Um, Randy and Infinity Knives, Al Rogers, Butch Dawson, JPEG, Abdu, Joy. It's a lot of people, man. Um, Micah E. Wood, um, Life on Planets. It's a lot of it's a lot of stuff happening, man. So like, I just really admire everybody's movement. And much love to everybody, too, like, because there's so many cool people out here doing their things that I really, really, really dig. Okay. Earlier when you were answering that question, you mentioned how you like to dabble in a lot of different musical styles and genres when it comes to listening. Now, when it comes to creating music, um, I, and correct me if I'm wrong, you're a, a, a singer, you're a songwriter, uh, are you a, you're a producer? Yep. Are, are, do you rap at all, or is it just strictly... I rap a little bit. But it's mostly singing? <laughs> yeah. Okay. I just rap when other people ask me to. I got you. So <laughs> I guess the songwriting came first, but then what came after that? And then as I've been listening most recently, it's been, like, real funky. Like, it's been it's been reminding me, reminding me a lot of... Uh, of Dame Funk. Have you ever heard of him before? Absolutely. I love him. Yeah. I got, I got to meet him a few years ago when I was in California. So I was in California mm -hmm. as, wait, when were you in California? Uh, 2015. Uh, I don't know if I was there then. Where did you meet him? I met him. There was a rehearsal he was doing. And you know how they have those little rehearsal studios? Yeah. He was in one of those. I was with my homie Reggie. He played drums for him. Okay. So I got to like actually meet him and like talk to him. It was like, yo, I'm talking to Dame Funk. Okay. Like, it was amazing. Cause so I went there a few years ago. I met him like every summer or like a, a few summers ago. Stone's Throw was hosting a uh, a pool party at the Line Hotel. Word. So I went there one day and I was just like, oh shit, like maybe I'm gonna meet you know Peanut Butter Wolf or <laughs> uh, so, something like that. And I was just drinking with my friend. And I look and like I kind of do the double take. I'm just like. Oh, shit, <laughs> So then my friend who was living in California, he was just like, yo, Dame, like, he's taking a picture with my friend. He's he's coming all the way from Maryland. And I was just like, oh, what yo, the that's fuck? So tight. Yeah, he was such a chill guy. It was really dope. He really is. He was DJing for a little bit. It was just such a, it was such a great experience. But uh, when Matt put me on to your stuff and I was listening to it, I, I was just really getting those really heavy funky vibes when did you when did that start coming out of you to be honest yo that shit has been in me i can remember like being a child like um so before my father had a church my uncle had a church so i've been literally playing drums ever since i was like two years old so i can remember being on you know like either the front row or like the steps of his pulpit and like that funky shit just being in there and just seeing people rock like a whole church full of people rock to that groove. It's 
been in me since then. And I think the more I started to develop my sound, I just was like, man, this is it. Like, it just came out of me so effortlessly. Like, I think because people think about funk as one thing, but it's not just one thing, it's kind of like everything, if you really think about it, which is what makes it so dope. It's like, it is the blues, it is jazz, it is bebop, it is rock and roll, it is hip hop, it's everything. You know what I mean? So even now, <clears throat> with a lot of the 808 shit, that has a lot of funk influence to it because it has that heavy bottom that can control you. You know what I mean? So it's just like, it's that same thing. It's just a different type of drums. But that bottom is always there and it's consistent. What do you mean by the bottom? <clears throat> like the 808, the doo-doo-doo. Okay, I that see. That shit that just keeps driving you. Doo-doo. That, that, that's that saying. <clears throat> it's the same thing. So it's just like, it's, it's today's version of it. But the funk is still alive. Like you said, with Dame Funk, with myself, with a bunch of other people that realize that, with Life on Planets, with a lot of people that are still doing that, it's still a thing. It's just not being marketed because it's not looked at as sexy anymore. You know what I mean? At one point it was. At one point it was marketable. Now it's kind of like looked at as a retro act. Really? But, hell yeah. But you, you, you realize that everything is cyclical and everything comes back. To be honest, every, nothing ever leaves. Hip-hop was nothing but bebop. People were rapping before 1975. It's, they've been rapping. So it's the same thing, the same huh, the same noises, the same everything. Where do you think it comes from? From being on a fucking shack porch playing an out-of-tune guitar. It's all that, from being in the blues to being in... It's, it's all just, like, stacking on top of each other. It's all the same thing. And, um, yeah, well, I'll just say all that to say it's just it's been there forever. I'm just really starting to, like, just let it out as much as possible. And while we're in the same vein, let's talk about your newest effort, Function. Yeah. Uh, you released that, like, within the last few weeks, or...? No, no, I released that in October. Oh, <clears throat> October of uh, 2018. Yeah, yep. Yeah. So I, I, I released that then. Uh, we had a, um, a release show at Disco Bar. So shout-out to Malcolm Lomax. He, he got that for me. Um, and that was a dope time, too. Um, so that was fun. Uh, I got I recorded that at Black Star Studio at Invisible Majority. Um, I just really started. I go through these modes where I like making beats. I love making beats all the time, but it's not like I got a song idea, you know, just for no reason. Like the music will either call to an idea, or I'll just have this moment where I just want to write. And at this moment, I just had a bunch of songs just coming out of me where it was like, yo. I just want to record some songs. So I went to his house and recorded it in a few weeks. And um, it was fun, man. It was just something that, because it was so spontaneous. It wasn't something that I wanted to do, which I think made it even more dope that it just came together that way. And yeah, man, we're still rocking it today. I like that you said that what made it a little bit easier or better is that it's not something that you would really set out to do it's just something that you're really feeling because I've definitely found in in my experience some collaborations or some things when it comes to creativity you can't really force it people think that uh, people think that creativity is just it, like it is something that you know channels throughout you and it's something that you can harness and kind of control but it's not like I'm 
creative. Like there is definitely a method to it. There's a science to it. There's definitely a formula. And like you were saying before, people think that creativity is just like being talented without the discipline. I really think it's the discipline that comes first. And then if you're talented, I mean, that's when you're really going to... Um, gonna get off so I, I think it's great that you mentioned that you can see who's really been putting in the time and who hasn't because especially when you show up as a person that has been putting in time it's easy to expose people that haven't <laughs> so it's like wait a minute why aren't y'all doing what they were just doing because <laughs> so it could kind of like poke holes in people's shit if you're not careful and and that that's why I really um love people like Kobe Bryant so much because it's like yo this dude was always prepared People like Prince so much because they were always prepared. You know, like people like Dilla because they always were prepared or they always were ahead of the game or ahead of the curve as far as what was happening next. Like, it's so many people like like Sly Stone and George Clinton that really, like, were ahead of the curve and knew what it was, knew what it was going to be and, like, knew what it would forever be. It's like you make it simple, you know? And, and that's why it's so dope because it's not that hard. You just gotta stay true and exactly. Once you you just keep on doing that long enough, and then it's everybody else will eventually catch up. It's true, you know. <laughs> it's so true. It's like you just become a better you. It's not like yo, now I'm dope. It's like no, you were always dope. You just gotta clean this up. You just gotta tune this up, and there it is. Like now you're ready to be presented. Not it's done. But now you're ready to be presented and go out and keep growing and keep because now you're there. So you could take a little bit of this, take a little bit of that, and you can just become like this thing that's like, wow. Yeah. You know? So that's really what it's about. Because we never stop learning, we never stop experiencing or growing. That's that's never a thing. So that that's one thing I think people need to keep in mind as well. It's like once you get to a place or a level, that doesn't mean that, okay, now I can chill. It's like, no, now it's time to go harder. Now it's time to go more, you know? I, that happens all the time. You, you want to get to a point, and then by the time you get to that point, you're just like, man, I don't even really care about this anymore because, like, I'm trying to get to this point now. Exactly. Yeah. So, like, you know, like, you know, like, there's always, like, yo, I can't wait for this show. This show is about to come up next week. Oh, my God. And it can never get here quick enough. But then, you know, it's, it's here, and it's over. And you're like, damn, I was waiting for that shit for like a month. So then it's like, okay, well, now what? But if you put yourself in that position, there will be nothing. But if you got another show the day after that, or you got another session the day after that, it's always something for you to constantly be getting into. You know, it's just about like how much you want to do. And I realized that I really just like doing what I'm doing. So I would never say like, if you're not doing what I'm doing, you're not doing it right. Cause it's not true. Again, everybody has their own speed and their own pace of doing things. This is just what I like to do. I've always enjoyed doing this. You know, from the first time I ever stepped into a studio, I never wanted to leave it. <laughs> like the studio just sounded like, what, you going to the studio? And it, and it wasn't nothing amazing. It was something some dude made, but it was like, wow. You know what I mean? So that's just what it's always been for me. I want to get back to your uh, multi-hyphenate nature, <laughs> uh, singer, songwriter, producer, and occasional part-time rapper. Right. Um, you also throw a lot of parties in the Baltimore area that are heavily influenced by music and the arts. Yeah. Did you start hosting these parties because you couldn't find the vibe you were looking for or what? Um, I always wanted to throw a party, but 
I'm not really like the party throwing type. So I just wanted to find like a cool way to do something to include everybody, to make everybody feel, you know, like they could all come. You know, like a lot of times parties have certain feels to it where you could be like, okay, like only certain types of people can come here. This is for like the, 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 these guys, or this is for like the, those people. So like, I want it to be like, yo, everybody, those guys, these people all come together, y'all back there, we all just make one fun time out of it and just have a good time. Um, that was my thing. Um, I just enjoy giving people a good time and just sharing good music with people and just seeing them dance and enjoy themselves, really. Um, I like to see all the other people that are throwing really cool parties. Um, like the 808 Sad Boy, he throws a cool party. Um, it's a lot of people that throw a lot of dope parties, um, like the girl power parties. Um, it's a bunch of things, man. So I, I try to just, um, you know, keep it going and keep keep building on the really cool culture that we have of partying around here. I would like for it to really be something like that. What was the last party you had? Where was it at? Um, the last party that I threw was this past July. It was the second Thursday at the Crown. So I throw a party every second Thursday at the Crown called The Function. Um, so it's basically, it's not really a party. I mean, you can call it a party. I don't care. But <laughs> I like to call it a review just because it's just not people dancing all the time. I have performers. Um, I have, like, spoken word artists come up. Uh, people might read from a book or whatever. Um, I do this thing called the Function Scramble. Uh, it's kind of like an ode to the Soul Train Scramble where I have a guest come up and guess who I'm talking about on the Scramble Words, and whoever wins, we get a drink ticket. And then from there, we just dance all night. Um, so, yeah, that's really been it. And it's called the Function, T-H-A, the Function. And you said that those are every second Thursday at the Crown? Yep. Um, I'm going to be on a little break for the next uh, two months because I'm going to be going on tour soon. But November 14th, we're back at it. So if this is on before November 14th and you hear this, come and check out the function, baby. Yeah, it'll, it'll definitely be out before <laughs> no, November 14th. Uh, <clears throat> excuse me. We're going to start wrapping up here. Uh, so you're going on tour. Uh, what else you got coming up next? Um, I'm going on tour. Um, I just put out a beat tape called Broadcasting Live from WEFUNK um, that had about like 14 tracks on it. Um, oh, didn't you uh, just release a, a new single too with somebody? I did, yes. Um, I So I dropped a song called Focus, and then yesterday I dropped a song called Pussy, with the homie Blackstar. Yeah, 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 okay. Yeah. That's that's a really, like, fun, you know, like, club party song. That shit is tight. Um, you know, like, real high energy. It, it could really be something that could be on, like, a movie or something like that. Word. It's one of those. So um, just doing that, constantly, you know, trying to collaborate with people, really trying to always hit the road. I'm trying to go out of the country for as long as possible um, and just experience as much as I can. I know that like music will always be what it is that I do, but on top of that, I, I'm ready to get in more like a creative director mode where I can lend other services, you know, because I realize that my brain is just like a valuable thing. And along with doing great musical ideas, I can do other great creative ideas. I can write, I can, you know, throw parties, uh, show programming, 
you know, all, all, all kinds of things. So I guess I'm just, at this point, trying to realize uh, all the things that I do. Word. All right, so we got to wrap up here. Matt's telling us that we're taking too long. Uh, <laughs> how can people get in touch with you if they want to uh, learn more or listen? Um, you can check me out on Instagram at Josh PMA. Um, on Facebook, it's just Josh Stokes. And you can find all my stuff in one of those two places. Word. All right, well, Josh Stokes, thanks again for sitting down with us. I That's really right, appreciate man. it. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. Much love. Word, word. All right, we're done. <laughs> Truth or dare as I stare in your face when you tell me all the things you want me to do to you while I play in your hair and your face tells me exactly all the things you wanna do to me too. I wish I could praise you now. Just a little more, just for this time So I can make sure You're everything you ask for I you won't be Playing this game even if you lose You would be a winner But you play like you're no beginner Baby, I'm a winner to touch me I I'm gonna touch me. I'm gonna touch me. I'm gonna touch me.